With Hashem's assistance, we are learning about Bekam Adaf Nuntes, page 59. We begin 10 lines into Nuntes Amad Aleph, page 59a, last word. Amar Abay Abay says, Rabbi Yisya Glili, Ve'Rabbi Yishmael, Amar Dovar Echad. Both Rabbi Yisya Glili and Rabbi Yishmael say a similar thing. Rabbi Yisya Glili had Amaron. Rabbi Yisya Glili was the statement that we made in the Bryce that was just quoted. And in the Bryce, so he said that if an animal causes damage to someone, and the things that he caused damage, that he ate, were not yet ripe, so the way that we determine the value of those things is not per se based on the objective value of the field minus those things, but rather you evaluate how much the rest of the field is going to be worth, or how much other items which are similar are going to be worth when they ripen completely, and that's how you determine the value of the loss. Okay, so that's what Rabbi Yisak Lili said previously. Rabbi Shmuel Detanya, we have the statement of Rabbi Shmuel as the following brisa: The verse is you have to give the best of one's field, the best of one's vineyard. That's what he has to pay with. What it means is you look at the best of the field of the person who got damaged and the best of the vineyard of the person who got damaged, and that's the way that you determine, similar to what Rabbi Yisak Lili says, that's how you determine the the damage. Div Rabbi Shmuel, that's what Rabbi Shmuel says. Rabbi Kiva. Rabbi Kiva says, The verse is not coming to say that you take the best of the field of the person and that's how you determine what the damage is. No, it's coming to say that when you've already determined what the damage is, perhaps as we explained earlier, you take the general value of the field minus what's been lost. You look at it more objectively. So then when you're, whatever money is owed, you paid from the best of the field. The hektish, And it's certainly true in regards to hektish. That is, damages that involve something that belongs to the temple. And this statement of Abaye, so he's saying that we should not say like Rav Idi Bar Avin, because Rav Idi Bar Avin has a completely different explanation of Rabbi Shmuel, and we're going to compare the explanation of Rav Idi Bar Avin to Abaye's explanation. The Amar Rav Idi Bar Avin, he said, What did Rabbi Shmuel mean when he said that you're going to pay from the best? We're talking about a case where it's not clear which row of vegetables the animal ate. What it did was it ate between the two different sections of the field, and therefore we're not clear if it ate from the weaker stuff, from the lower quality vegetables, or from the higher quality vegetables. The Omar. So the person who got damaged can say, Kum shlim shmeinam. So go and pay me from the higher value, b'meit of dekahashta, based on the value that exists right now. And according to Ravidi Bar Avin, so what's going on here, when Rabbi Shmuel says you're going to pay from the best of the field, it means that you assume that the thing that got eaten was something that was from the best of the field, from the side of the higher quality fruits, or vegetables, whatever it is. So the Gemara says, according to Abai, the Hachilai we don't say this. We can't say this. My time, what's the reason? Because there's a concept that if someone comes to be Tovea, to, to claim something, so the burden of proof is upon that person. And until he proves it, so he can't show, he doesn't know for sure that that's what in fact got damaged. So therefore, how can he come and say that he's going to collect from the higher quality thing? So according to Abaye, what does Rabbi Shmuel mean when he says you're going to collect from the best stuff? It means that you're going to collect from the higher value that it would have reached had it not been destroyed. And what is it? The, the value that it's going to be if it had indeed come out and it had indeed ripened and it had indeed been sold at its higher value. That's how much you pay. Amar Mar. So we stated previously in the Bryce, Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda, Amar Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda says in the name of Rabbi Shimon, When do we say that we look at the value of the field objectively and subtract whatever was lost in the value of the field? We don't look at the actual damage of the articles themselves. Where it ate the branches of the, of the vine and it ate the branches of the fig tree. And I'm just pointing out here that I'm giving a slightly different explanation of the Bryce than I did previously. Previously I explained it according to Rashi, but 
but but here we're going to see in the Gemara over here, it seems to be slightly different than we explained previously. So so here we're talking about the branches. Hasma, there's the Gemara makes a diuk. When do we say that? We look at it objectively only regards the branches, but if we're talking about fruits that are not yet ripe, so then we would look at it as if it had already been ready to be harvested, and that will be the way that we determine the value of the damage. Amos safe. what does it say right after that? If it was indeed eaten at a stage where it was more ripe and not completely though, so we said over there, then in such a case you evaluate it based on its value individually, and we don't look at the whole field. So what's the implication of that? that if it would have only begun to bud, then he would look at the field, how much the field was worth before, and how much the field is worth now. So it's a, it's a contradiction in the implications of the two statements of Rabbi Shim ben Yehuda. Um, Ravina, so Ravina says, you have to add in something and say as follows, when do we say this? When the animal had eaten some branches, either of the vine or of the date tree, if it ate something which was unripe, pagan oy boiser, or if it ate it at a stage when it had already ripened even more, then we would in fact look at it as if it's about to be harvested, even though it's not completely ripe. So Gemara says, if that's what Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda is saying, Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda, Rabbi Shua. So it comes out that Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda is saying the exact same thing as Rabbi Shua, because he said in the case of Ochlasmata, where the, where the animal ate something which was not yet completely ripened, so he said that this is exactly what you do, you look at it as if it's about to be harvested, even though it's not yet ripe. So what's the difference? My answer is, we can indeed say that there's a difference between them. In regards to the value, if these things that had been eaten, if these unripe grapes had been left upon the vine, so then it would have taken away from the power of the vine, it would have taken away from the moisture of the vine, and now that these things are not there anymore, so they, they're going to have the ability to provide more sustenance to whatever's left. So you can subtract that value from the amount that has to be paid by the person who caused the damage. The Gemara says it's not clear which one of them, if Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda holds this way or Rabbi Yeshua holds this way. Abaya Omar, Abaya says, no, Masami, Masami, actually we can't figure out who holds, who holds which way. Who's the one that says that you are going to subtract from the amount of the mazik, the person who caused the damage, has to pay based on what the unripe grapes would have taken away from the moisture? Rabbi Shimon Yehudi. It's Rabbi Shimon Ben Yehuda, the Tanim of Anubaisa. Rabbi Shimon Ben Yehuda, Amir Mishim Ben Menasia. He said in the name of Rabbi Shimon Ben Menasia as follows Aynas, in regards to a man who rapes a woman, he does not have to pay her for the pain of the fact that if she was a basula, if she was a virgin, so then her hymen was being broken. Because that was pain that she would have had to endure in any event if she got married, or when she got married, so she would have had relations, and she would have had the pain of the breaking of the hymen. So that's not something that has to be paid by the person who raped her. Amrullah, so the sages responded and said to him, that you can't compare the pain that a person has when she's having relations, and she and her hymen is getting broken. You can't compare that in a case where she's doing it of her own accord, of her own will, because she's married to someone, as opposed to somebody who rapes her, and against her will breaks the hymen. So the pain is much greater in a case where it was against her will, say the sages. So therefore, that would be necessary for the person to have to pay. Now, what comes out of the statement of Rabbi Shem ben Yehuda is that we see that we subtract something now in regards to the person that raped since she would have gone down in value later anyway, that pain she would have endured anyway later, so you subtract it from the current damages. So so too, Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda would hold in regards to the case of the animal eating something that later on is going to be a deep value if it would have remained there. So so too over here, he would say that you subtract that value.
Amr Abay Abay says, Hani Tanoim Rabbishim Ben Yehuda Amr Dabar Echad. The following Tanoim and Rabbishim Ben Yehuda, they all said the same idea. Rabbishim Ben Yehuda Hada Amaran. Rabbishim Ben Yehuda is that which we said previously, that he holds that you subtract some later value that there's a gain, that the person who got damaged actually benefits from the damage. You subtract it from the amount of money that the person who caused the damage has to pay. So Hani Tanoi Mahi. So where do we find a brysa of two different Tanoim that say the similar thing? The Tanoim have a brysa like this. Rabbi Yesi Amr Nechi Chaya Ben Azay Amr Nechi so in regards to the person who caused damage, he caused someone, a woman to miscarry. So according to Rabbi you subtract something that now the person, by getting this damage, that he saved the money. The husband would have had to pay for a midwife to help his wife give birth. Now he doesn't have to pay for that, so that amount is subtracted from the amount that the person who caused the damage has to pay. And Ben Asay says that what you subtract is the amount of money that the husband would have had to spend on paying for extra food when she was recovering from giving birth. Now the husband doesn't have to spend that money, so the person who caused the damage, in effect, has created an advantage for the person who got damaged, and that money can be subtracted from the damages. Man Amar Nechi according to the one who says that you subtract the value that he would have had to pay to a mid- midwife, so certainly he would say that you subtract the amount of money that he would have had to spend on her food when she was recovering. Man Amar Nechi according to the one who says that you subtract the amount of money that he would have had to spend when she was recovering on food, but he wouldn't agree that you would subtract the amount of money that he would have had to spend on a midwife. Why? To Amar because he would say to him as follows, it's a deep You can't just subtract the money that I would have had to spend on a midwife because I wouldn't have spent money on a midwife because my wife is very good at giving birth. She's done this many times. And she doesn't need a midwife to help her out. Rapapa and Rav Hunabar of Yeshua, they had some kind of story, a similar story where someone got damaged, a person caused damage, and they passed and they said that the halacha is like Rav Nachman, who would take a value of 60, multiply it by 60, and then see how much the value is of the damage based on that. Lishnach, we know an alternate version of this, Rapapa and Rav Hunabar of Yeshua, that there was a story with them, that it sounds like they did not actually take the value of 60, but rather they took the small piece of land, and they evaluated it based on how much that small piece of land had gone down. So that would have been a higher value than Rav Nachman said. The halach is like them. In regards to an Armenian date palm. But if we're talking about a Persian date palm, which is a much higher value, much greater thing, so then we'll, we will indeed stay like the Rish Galusa said, we'll actually evaluate the palm tree itself and not do it in regards to other trees or in regards to the field. Now it's important to point out that when we said that the halacha is like Rav Papa and Rav Hunabar of Yeshua, we mean like the first version where they did like Rav Nachman or the second version where they didn't. So the Namukha Yesu says it means like the first version. And what it means when we say the number 60, so he explains that what you do is you take the date palm that got damaged, you multiply it by 60 as if there were 60 of these types of trees and there was nothing wrong with them, and then you subtract the value that, that it's gone down as if there, you had these 60 trees, and how much, objectively speaking, has it gone down, and that's how he pays the damages. We're about to turn to the New Testament, base page 59b. Eliezer Zira Havasiya Misa'ane Uchmi. He was wearing these black shoes that were reserved for mourners. And he was standing in the marketplace in Naharda. The people of the Reish Galusa, the Exilarch. So some of the people from his house found this Eliezer Zira. And they said to him, Why are you wearing these shoes? So Eliezer Zira responded and said, I am mourning over the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. So they said to him, You think that you're so important that you have the ability to mourn over 
of Jerusalem, several Yuar Hava, they held that it was something which was Gavidic prideful, so they took him and they imprisoned him. So he says to them, I'm a great person, I'm, a, I'm an important person, it's appropriate for me to be doing what I'm doing, why are you putting me in jail? So they said to him, how do we know? So he said back to them, Either you ask me a question or I'll ask you a question. Amrulay, so they said to him, Bo'i'at, you ask the question. Amrulay, so he said to them as follows, Haiman the cuts kufra, if someone cuts down a cluster of unripe figs, my mishalim, what's he gonna have to pay? Because really, a cluster of unripe figs doesn't really have too much value. Amrulay, mishalim de mekufra, they said, you don't have to pay anything because that's, you have to pay what, it, what you cause the damage to and this doesn't have any value. So he asked them, Ha'habutari, he says, wait, but they would have become dates, there, there should be a value. Amrulay, so they said back to mishalim de mekufra, maybe they should have to pay the value of the dates. Amrulay, so he said back to them, well, you can't have to pay that because he hasn't taken away from the actual dates. They, they're not dates yet. Amr um, so said back to him, you tell us the answer. Amr um, Lahu, so he said back to them, what you do is you take 60 times the value, like we said previously, and you make the evaluation based on how much all of these date palms would have gone down in value if one of them had lost its value. Amr um, so they said to him, Man Amr who says that you're correct? Who says like you? Amr Lahu, Hashmuel, Chay, basically no Kayim. Shmuel and his court, so they should live and be well. They would say like me. Shushu come into the Shmuel, so they sent this question in front of Shmuel, Amr Lahu, Shabrika, Amr Lahu, Bishishim, and he sent back said that indeed he said correctly and the, the correct way of evaluating it would be based on this calculation of 60. And then the people of the Reish Galus, of the Exilarch, they let Eliezer Zira go. They finally realized that indeed he was a great person and they didn't bother him anymore. Rabbi Shimon Aymer, Achla Peretz Gemur Mechulim. He said in the Mishnah that Rabbi Shimon says that if, let's say, the animal had eaten fruits that were already completely ripened, so you pay for the fruits as they were. We don't take into account anything that has to do with the field itself. My timer. So what's the reasoning of Rabbi Shimon? Rahman, because this at the Torah says, that you evaluate it based on the field itself, that you look at it from an objective standpoint based on the field and not on the fruits themselves. That's only fruits that still require to be attached to the field, so to speak. They haven't completely ripened. But these fruits, since they've completely ripened, so we don't look at them as part of the field anymore. And therefore you have to pay based on the current value of those things severed from the field. Amr Rav Huna Barchia, Amr Rav Yirmiyah Bar Abba. Rav Huna Barchia said in the name of Rav Yirmiyah Bar Abba, Dan Rav Kirabi Meir. In a certain case, so Rav said the halacha was like Rav Meir. He passed in that way. And when he was teaching his students in regards to a different case, he taught them like Rabbi Shimon. Dan Rav Kirabi Meir. What was the case where Rav said like Rabbi Meir? The time of a brisa. In regards to a piece of land that was meshuba, that was encumbered to aksuva to the money that a husband will owe his wife if he divorces her or if he dies. So in regards regards to such a case, if the husband went and sold that piece of land, and she did not sign, she didn't admit, she wasn't happy with the fact that, she, that he had sold it, so that's, she had not signed on this one, but now he goes and he sells a second piece of land, and she signs on it, meaning, she is fine with the fact that it was sold, of the Ksuvasa, so she cannot go and collect money from either of them, even though she did not sign on the first ones, meaning that if she had indeed signed on no one's property, she hadn't admitted, she hadn't been interested in these pieces of land being sold, so then the pieces of land would still be encumbered to her, and she would have a right to take it away from the person who bought it. However, over here what happens, because she sold it to the second person, where she admitted that it was sold to the second person, so normally we would say that even though she admitted it, or even though she actually sold it, gave the rights away, many times we can say that she was just doing that to make her husband happy, because she saw that her husband was giving it away, so she was just 
showing that she acquiesced to this, but she didn't really do it for any other reason than that. She didn't really mean to give it up. She wasn't interested in giving it up. So, but in this case, she can't make such a claim. And the ramifications are like this. When, if she, let's say she wants to go to the first person and say, I want to, I want to collect my suva money from this piece of land. So that person can say, listen, I left you a different piece of land that you'll be able to collect from. So now she goes to the second person and says, I want you to give me this piece of land because I only admitted to the sale or I only allowed it to be okay because to do nachas ruach, to make my husband happy. So the second person can say, well, if that's true, so then you should have done the same thing in regards to the first one. So if you didn't do it in regards to the first one, so clearly you also, when you actually said that I could have it over here, you really meant it. Otherwise you should have said it for the first guy. So this is what Rabbi Meir said to Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yehuda, I mean, Rabbi Yehuda says, He holds it, no. She has the ability to go to the second guy and say, I didn't really mean it. I didn't mean that you should get it. I just was saying it to make my husband happy, to make him feel good. What do you have to do with me? Let me take my piece of land. So in a similar case, Rav had said that the halacha is like Rabbi Meir, that she doesn't have a right to say anything. And he also said that he taught his students that the halacha is like Rabbi Shimon. He had a tanan, like the following thing that we learned in our Mishnah, in our Mishnah. Rabbi Shimon, I mean, Rabbi Shimon says, that if, he, if the animal ate fully ripened fruits, so then you have to pay back the value of the fruits, no matter how much the value was, you don't go based on the field itself, you don't look at it objectively, but rather you look at the actual damage of the fruits themselves. We begin the next Mishnah. If someone makes a haystack within the field of his friend without permission, if the animal that belongs to the owner of the field eats from the haystack, there's no obligation on the owner of the field because the guy shouldn't have brought his stuff in. And if someone gets damaged by the, by the haystack, so the owner of the haystack has to pay. Again, because he came in there without permission. However, if the guy made the haystack with permission, he had, he had been given the right to come in there, so then the owner of the field is going to have obligations to pay for any damages caused to the haystack. We begin the Gemara, maybe this Mishnah doesn't sound like it's Rebbe, because if it was Rebbe, we said that there's only an obligation on the owner of the field to pay if he accepts upon himself explicitly that he's going to watch it. Here, there's no implication that he's actually said that explicitly. He just said that you have permission to come in there. So it sounds like, from the fact that we said that there is a responsibility on the owner of the field, it sounds like not like Rebbe. Amram Papa, Amram Papa says, What are we talking about over here? We're talking about a field that's really a public field, but it's a place where many people make their haystacks right before they're about to bring their wheat to the granary. And therefore, they appointed, they all appointed together, says Rashi, a shomer, a person to guard it. That even Rebbe would agree that in such a case, if the shomer, the person who's in charge of watching all of these different haystacks says to come in, he gives them permission to come in, even though he didn't explicitly say that he's going to watch it, that's obviously what he means. We begin the next mission. If someone sends a fire in the hands of a person who's mentally incompetent, a person who's deaf-mute, a person who's insane, a person who's a minor, so he doesn't have any obligation, they can't bring him to court to make him pay, but as far as the heavens are concerned, he's done something wrong. If let's say you put it in the hands of a person who's a regular person, so obviously that person has the obligation, he's, he's the one who, who was in charge. Let's say somebody brought the fire and left it there, and then someone else came along and dropped some wood, some tinder wood, that made the fire greater. The person who brought the wood, the last person to come along and 
the closest one to the damage, he's the one who has an obligation. If one person just brought the wood, and then the second person came along and brought the fire, again, the last person that comes along, here it's the person who brought the fire, so it's his fault, and therefore he's the one who has an obligation. But Let's say they both left their things there, and it didn't yet create a fire. Someone else came, comes along and stokes the fire, or uh, blows wind on the fire or something to make the fire greater. So he's the one who's going to have the obligation. But if, let's say, a wind came along, and the wind caused the fire to become greater, so that's out of their control, and therefore it's not considered that they're the ones who did it, and there's no obligation. We begin the Gemara. It's only talking about where he gave him a coal. And then the Kheir Shadav Akat, the mentally incompetent person, made the fire greater. But if he gave him something that was already, there was a flame on it, so then there indeed will be an obligation. He can be brought to court, the person who had originally given over to the person who was mentally incompetent. My time. And what's the reason? Because his original actions have caused this damage. Rabbi Yechanan says, that even if he gives over, over a fire itself, there's not going to be an obligation. My time, the thing that caused this fire was the movement, the grabbing of the person who was mentally incompetent. There's not going to be an obligation on the person who gave it over, to this mentally incompetent person until he gives him all of the different materials that are necessary, some thin tender wood and some kutsim, these uh, thorns, and a shrag is a lamp. Because in such a case, he gives him all of the different things that are necessary to create this big fire, there it's certainly considered that he has done it himself. But until that point, so then we consider it the action, the action is mitiaches, it's connected to the chayr shadavikad, the mentally incompetent person.